one. Hello, everybody. I believe we are live on Grounded, my Q&A live stream podcast. We're here with PhD Scott. Thank you so much for being here. And we're going to talk about Tesla Bot. He's going to tell you uh, his background, why he's here talking to us about this. Um, I'm going to approach it more from being kind of skeptical about Tesla Bot and definitely ask questions about, uh, you could do, you know, Tesla robotics in general and AI, but we're focusing mostly on this guy right here, Tesla Bot. What the potential is what we can expect short-term, long-term, and what it eventually is going to be able to do. So today it's September 19th, 2023 uh, for podcast people that are listening in the future. And here we go. So uh, welcome, Scott. Thank you so much for coming. Why don't you give us a couple minutes uh, about your background and who you are and why we're talking yeah. about Tesla Bot today? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me on, Chris. I know we've been going back and forth for a while, finally pinned down a date and in here. And yes. um, and yeah, I mean, the first thing, yeah, my name is Scott Walter. And um, like Chris, I am a Michigander. As a matter of yep. fact, if you go back to that photo, where was that photo taken? Uh, this one was at Somerset Mall in Troy, Michigan. Somerset Mall. And what street is it on? Uh, <laughs> it's on uh, Big Beaver. <laughs> Big Beaver in Troy, Michigan, right yep. across from the Somerset Mall. At the time, within the, doing the expansion back in 1985, I co-founded a company called Deneb Robotics right on Coolidge Highway and uh, in Big Beaver. Actually, right across from <clears throat> the Kmart World Headquarters. Remember that? Yep, I <laughs> Used do. to be down there. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and, and what we did is we developed a, a company to be able to simulate uh, robots in 3D. So 1985, that was very groundbreaking because everyone was trying to plan the factories of the future using robots and automation, and they didn't know uh, how that was going to look, and they needed advanced planning tools. So I like to think of it, it's like a video game for robots. It's like, you know, the Minecraft of robot building. You build a factory, and you figure out how the robots are going to build things, where to position them what their cycle time might be, how to program them and everything else. So for the past uh, 40 years, I've been looking at different kinds of robot mechanisms and kinematics. And then my job has always been to simulate them, to reverse engineer, look at them, figure out how to put them into our software and simulate them and understand the mechanics and everything that's going on. So not only that, I have to understand the applications of where they're going. So I've seen robotic systems being put in all around the world for all sorts of different kinds of applications and manufacturing applications. So from that, I was immediately able to see what the potential of the Optimus bot is and um, and how it can be used. So again, I mean, that was kind of a nice little homecoming when I saw like Somerset Mall. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. But unfortunately, I wasn't there because right now I'm down here in, in Florida, but I will be coming up to Michigan uh, in about a week. Great. And uh, one thing we've talked about is that this is, um, it is it's a replica of the Tesla bot. It's not the actual Tesla bot. And so it, it doesn't have the actual motors in there. It doesn't have the battery pack. doesn't have like all the harnessing you're going to see around there, but it's a very good facsimile of the Tesla bot that you can look at and examine. And they're showing up in Tesla showrooms around the country. Um, and, or I should even say North America, because I understand some are even showing up in, in Canada. And so one of them is at the Somerset Mall is one of the first ones. There are a few down here in Florida. And this weekend, I'm actually through the Tesla Owners Club of Florida, going to be going to the Florida mall in Orlando and talking about the Tesla bot to members of the, the owners club of, of Florida. So they cannot understand the mechanics of what's going on, give a little bit of background. And so depending upon the interest, I am more than willing to do it again up in Michigan because, um, you know, I'm only 25 minutes or so from Troy from, uh, Great. you know, I know the mall quite well and would love to go down there. And if, 
no one else, I will definitely give you and Stephanie a tour of, of what's cool. going on and be able to explain. Because it. it's one thing to look at it on a flat screen. It is something else to see it in person. Yeah, it, it was actually very cool. You know, I, so I had seen it before. I went to AI Day 2 and they had um, pretty much the real thing there. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and it was a little more raw than than what we're looking at here. Uh, mm -hmm. But actually, you know what? I have the picture right here. I can grab and just show. Wow. It on the so camera. You, you went to AI. I didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was at AI Day 2. And actually, this looks very similar to what was there. So let me just, there you go. There's me with the metal, metal Tesla bot. Yeah, right. You were exactly. not allowed to touch it. At that it. point. <laughs> but, but that is the real one because even though it couldn't walk, it was able to move. They had it on the stand mm -hmm. and they had everything else kind of moving around. Yeah. For, for um, yep. And so, yeah, exactly. So that was very cool to see that in person. And then again, even, you know, it had been almost a year. And then you see this one again in person and it's totally different. You're like, geez, this thing is like a little intimidating, a little, I don't know, inspiring. Something about it really mm -hmm. kind of draws you in. Um, so I, I want to ask you, uh, as we get started here, I want to give you a question to get us started. People are very excited about Tesla Bot and so am I. I, you know what, I'm going to admit it. I'm a bit lazy. I don't like working. I don't want to, you know, sweep or mow the lawn mm -hmm. or you know, get the groceries anymore. I don't like doing those things to be totally honest. Um, so I want this Tesla bot to come do those things for me. What are some things, uh, I mean, short and long-term, but you can kind of answer this however you like that you think Tesla bot is really not going to be able to do or good at that. Maybe people are, you know, hopeful for. Okay. It, it's not going to um, be working in your house right away. So one thing for sure, it's probably not going to be folding or laundry. So I like to tell everyone, however, Ugh. You know, from the it will have the capabilities to probably load the washing machine, take it out, throw it in the dryer, pull it out, maybe even sort it into different piles, and then if you want, take those piles and just stuff it in your underwear drawer or something like that, because it doesn't okay. quite have the dexterity in the hand. So, so that's a, a longer term capability. At this point, I think it's a little bit kind of rough and ready to go into the household. I mean, it's really sharp around the edges, so it looks something that it's meant more for kind of a factory more controlled setting um there are other bots that are coming out there that let's say will be a little bit smoother around the edges that might be more inviting to have in the house in other places that will be coming eventually and later generations of tesla bot will be able to do that but that's not the point the point of tesla bot is not to be sold to anyone right now or even be used outside of tesla this is an internal engineering project to drive tesla's margins down make manufacturing cheaper. Got it. So I they're looking at applications within the factory and it's suited for those applications. Not all applications, but quite a lot. And then it's going to evolve more and more to be able to do that. That's one of the distinct advantages they have over some of the other humanoid bot companies that are out there that may be thinking of trying to come up with consumer versions, but they have, let's say, a limited supply of capital to get that going. Now, Tesla is not the first to consider a humanoid robot. There, there have been a lot of, you know, attempts in the past. You know, some of the famous ones are like from Honda, the, the Asimo robot, which they actually canceled, uh, I think maybe five years ago after 30 years. So they, they were like one of the first walking robots and everything else, because walking is very difficult. And then of course there's Boston Dynamics. And Boston Dynamics has just always been a research company and they've never really thought about actually making a product. Um, and so they, they have this development platform, which everyone sort of knows the Atlas robot, which is really quite impressive in what it can do, but it's not really showing up doing anything practical anywhere. Now, Boston dynamics, because they need to make some money, they've started developing some of the robots that start to look more like traditional robots, but they found 
a couple of niches where they can go in that are really good. So I love the designs they've kind of come up with with some of these kind of traditional uh, looking robot arms, but the, you know, they're not humanoid. And the only one that they really have out there that's walking, of course, is a little dog. Right. Uh, and it's expensive. And it's, like and it's arm is, so you're talking about like that, the spot, the dog, yeah, its arm spot, is kind of like a traditional robot arm, right? Is that what yeah, you're yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So there's one version yeah. without an arm or neck or a head, whatever you want to call that thing. So, yeah. and it just runs yeah, it around like with sensors on it that allows it to monitor and, and sneak around into places um, for a, a lot of factory monitoring. So, so it does make sense for what it does. It has a really good use case. And then they wanted to make it a bit more useful. So they basically you know, did an arm transplant. It's like a Frankenstein <laughs> robot. Yep. Something. Oh, this is an arm on here. And they can like do this. Like, is that a mouth or a hand? We're not quite sure. Yeah. But you can open doors and go in there. And that's all very nice. It got very nice advanced AI, but it's not really a humanoid robot. It's not a, a humanoid form factor. But there are many other companies out there that, are doing it that have been around um, longer than the Tesla bot program. So the Tesla bot program is a little over two years old. Um, right. But you have... Um, Sanctuary AI, which I think is at least six years old. You've got uh, Agility Robotics, which is also in the same order based on research that goes back to like 2010 and stuff like that. And in fact, um, Agility is coming out, um, you know, they, they've shown it off at a couple of trade shows. And it's not a, let's say it's not a fully formed humanoid robot and that doesn't have full hands with fingers. It has more or less the palms. It walks very well. It looks more like an ostrich rather than a human because everyone looks at it and go, oh, that looks yeah. kind of funny. So it, it's it's based on what's known as a digitigrade. It's, it's a type of animal that walks basically on its toes. And what you are mistaking for its knees is actually its ankles. Oh, its knees it. are very, very high. And we walk on, on basically on our ankles. So we're called plantigrades. Um, now, a digitigrade, basically the word digit is in there because it's walking on the digits of your toes, which right. is why the robot is called digit. It's not because it's digital cool. <laughs> in the normal sense of a computer. Yeah, I like that. It's because of the, the way it walks. And um, they announced, I think just yesterday, that they are finishing up um, a, a factory to produce up to 10,000 digit robots a year. Okay, so that means there's a company out there, they've gone to trade shows, they show what it can do on the factory floor, and they are coming up with a factory that will be able to produce them that much. You don't do that unless you think there is a market. Of course. And then there's there's a lot of others. There's several other startup companies in China that are also doing the same thing. So Tesla is not necessarily in first place here. They're definitely not the first one to do it, but they okay. have a design that's a little bit different than the others, and their Got use it. case, Let's let, let's say, their profit case is a very different one than what you're seeing from anyone else. Right. Okay. I see. I've seen this robot before, this digit robot. I didn't yes. know the name of it, but I see it. Yeah, they can move containers. Yes. It's, it's, and... from, it's, it's from agility. Yes. Okay. And and it looks, you know, it's, it's a very plausible design that will fit certain niches that are out there. And it's very interesting when you talk to a lot of people that have seen it, that have small manufacturing companies, a lot of them are like, right away, I can see a use case. And so, others that might be running like a bar that say, Wait right. a minute. If if this robot could just work in the back end, just moving things around, that yeah. would save me a lot of time and money as well. So then let me ask you, because you're talking about Tesla's main thing, and then we'll get to there's a few questions coming in. So keep mm -hmm. asking questions, guys, and I have them, I have a list I'm saving. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that te Tesla's case, which actually I think I've I've kind of you know thought the same thing as you in that of course the first thing is they are going to take advantage of this tech and use it in their factories to yep. have less workers and pay less and blah blah blah. So if you're talking a factory robot, what are kind of the main advantages? Like, why would they need to develop this whole new humanoid robot when, of course, we already know these types of factories, especially from Tesla, but all the automakers 
already have tons of robots in them that are, mm -hmm. of course, specialized. They can do this over and over again or, you know, do this over and over again. Why do they need a humanoid? Couldn't they just design another specialized robot to kind of fill in the gaps or where's this really going to help? Yes. Uh, I mean, you, you would think they would. And the reason why they haven't is that some of these human-like tasks that require human form factor are not that easy to automate. So you okay. could say history is littered with all these attempts to automate something that seemed easy and turned out to be a big failure. It's, it's, it's interesting in Walter Isaacson's book that, you know, Elon uh, and Kimball, I think they made a trip across country and they stopped at the Denver Stapleton airport back in the mid nineties. I don't know if you remember that they tried to like fully automate the uh, luggage handling, uh, oh, luggage I, handling system there. I did and it was just a complete yep. disaster and it just took them a long and everyone thought it was going to be really easy. And this wasn't even using robots or anything. Right. And it's, it's just kind of like that. And, and the, the applications that Tesla bot is going to doing is really simple and you would think they could automate it. And my answer to that is like, if they could have automated it already, they would have. And there's many reasons why they have it sure. is that usually what ends up happening is that automated cells like structure. So they like everything to be where it's supposed to be. So yeah, they, you know, they occasionally have some camera systems to kind of pick up or something, but for the most part, they're running blind and everything has to be where it is. So there's an interface between the robotic cell and the parts that come in. And that interface is called the human. And the human is organizing what is a very chaotic parts bin and getting it into the right place so the robot can now start to work with it. And it's it's a type of thing, it's, it's been kind of difficult to automate over the years and everything is set up to be a humanoid form factor. So what you would like to do is, and this is, is something else that happened in automation is, is believe it or not, cars used to be built without robots. You know, and, and if you if you look at some of the old pictures of, of how cars were manufactured in Detroit before we had the robots, you know, there were spot welding lines and there were people who were working the spot welding lines and they were carrying these big, heavy welding guns and they were bringing them up and they were suspended on cables because they were very heavy and they're going on and they were just hitting the spots where they're supposed to and just kept on doing that. And then eventually they said, we're going to do that with the robots. And of course, when the robots first came in, they thought, oh, this will just be really easy. We'll just like stick on the other. And they turn out it's like, well, they weren't really meant to be stuck in the end of the robots and they had to redesign the cells. And the welding guns they came up with, at, at that point, the welding guns are mounted on the end of the boat, the robot. And they are not designed to be handled by a human being. So once they get those spot welding cells up, once those cells failed, there was like no option for a human to go in and take over. It was like, okay, we're committed at this point. Right. So you see more and more of that, that the, where the automation is going on, the humans cannot touch it. The idea of this is to be an immediate swap out that you could swap out for the humans or you could the human back in for it, depending on what's going on, because yeah. you have lots of problems in the workforce right now. Um, and that, you know, one of the, one of the things that the big three is pushing back on the UAW is like absenteeism is like, the, the biggest problem they have is like they start a shift and half the people they need may not be there on a particular day for whatever reason. And so they have to try to fill in a, a lot of these uh, positions because, you know, someone's not there that day. You also have a lot of turnover. I remember working right. at a, uh, down a sub supplier trying to get their lines up and going because of all the issues they were having. And in their first six months, they had 50% turnover. So wow. they're constantly training and retraining yeah. and they kept on it, saying, yeah, suddenly yeah. these guys don't show up because it's a good fishing day. And, and right. it's, it's, so it's like, ugh, what, what they want to do is they want to make sure you get the work. So, so it might be that if people are out sick or something like that, man, you just send the optimist in there to that particular operation. Right. Now you well, might it, say, 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say it even it even goes all the way back to Elon's comments about um, the population collapse because yep. you simply are not getting enough people. And if you look at China right now, I don't know if this is like obvious to everybody and I was slow or it's still not that obvious, but China's in big trouble right now. Their population mm-hmm. is going down fast. And guess what? China lies about everything. So it's going down faster than we think and that we know. Yeah, yeah. And it's, a it's, lot of this stuff, I think, was covered mm-hmm. up by COVID because, you know, supply shortages happen all over the world. But it, it was also that China's population, they don't have the people to do all the things they've been doing. And so it, it's going to, you know, I'm going a little bit on a tangent, but these bots can replace all or some of that labor that is missing because there's not enough people around. Yeah. Do you, do you wonder why a lot of the humanoid robots are being developed in China right yeah. now? It, it's, it's, first, it's the one child yeah. policy was a problem because mm-hmm. in order for you to keep your population going, you need that, you know, what is it? 2.3 children average. Yeah. yeah and, and it was like one yep. and to make it even worse, usually it was male. So, right. And it's so great it's, in the it's, culture. It's, the demographic um, is even worse. So, all right. you know, uh, either, yeah. e- either, you know, if they, they check the gender before birth, it was aborted or mm-hmm. set off for adoption. Right. So, so right. China, in a sense, has a mm-hmm. huge problem. It's not just looking at the size of the population. It's also looking at the disparities between the two genders. So, yeah, so you have that. And even worldwide, it's well known that there are welding robots out there that are not a humanoid form or something like that. They come in, anybody saying they're taking away the jobs from all the welders like, nope, we've got like a shortage of welders. You cannot we find do. enough welders out there. And the shortage mm-hmm. is not small. It's like close to a million. Yeah. Worldwide. Um, okay. that, I want to, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I do want to get to some of the questions because we got a bunch rolling in now. So I'm going to try to go in order, but some of these were kind of interesting. Um, So uh, Tesla Mojo asked, uh, outside of the known actuators in the hand, arms, legs, is it possible or beneficial to add a screw actuator in the ankle to allow for the bot to go on its tiptoes to help reach higher things? What do you think about that? Okay. So um, the thing is, every time you add one more actuator, one more degree of freedom, it just kind of makes things more complex. And, um, you know, it, potentially it has the power in that ankle, when you look down there, be able to get up on its toes. They haven't really okay. demonstrated it yet when it walks. Go. So, mm-hmm. you know, you potentially could do that. But when you add one more, it adds more weight, uh, and they don't want to do that. And in the AI Day 2 presentation, and one of the very first presentations I had from uh, from Lizzie, she made it very clear. It's like, you know, we don't want to put like sensors everything on the arms. It's just going to add more mass. We want to concentrate the mass around the torso. Right. So this has been another argument I've had where everyone keeps on thinking that there's going to be like induction charging on the feet. Just put an induction plate on there. It's going to do that. I'm like, nope, they're not going to do that because they're going to have to, first it's going to be more mass you put down there and they're going to have to run the wire all the way up the leg up to the battery. Sure. And cabling and harnessing stuff like this already a nightmare. So the you know Elon is like fewer parts, fewer parts, fewer parts. And a lot of the, the things that that I have sort of predicted that they would do, and James Dama and others observing it. When you read Walter Isaacson's book, it's like, yep, it's exactly you know <laughs> they're taking that approach. So just remember, they want fewer parts. Again, okay. swappable battery pack. Elon completely against it. And I and I made it clear to everyone you won't have a swappable battery pack for a couple of reasons. One, they already know it's difficult. You need more interfacing in there, more mechanics to be able to pop it in and out. And the idea is that you might be thinking, oh, for home use, I want to have a swappable battery pack so my Optimus can keep going. There's not going to be one Optimus in the factory. There's yeah. going to be lots of them. 
So the swappable battery pack is Optimus. Okay. Sure. So sure. Yeah. The, if you actually look at, sure. at the times and everything else that's going on there, for about every eight or nine Optimus, you could have one that's charging. And when right. it's done charging, it just goes over, taps one of the other Optimus on the shoulder and say, hey, go get charged and swaps over. So right. that that is a way of doing it. It's much cheaper. It's far more elegant. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of these things. If, you know, everything works out is you just make more. You just make more. Yes. You just make more. Yeah. Like yeah, you'll yeah, never yeah. not have enough because you just make more. Um, yeah, and it, yeah. I'm going to put this question up because it kind of relates to what we were just saying. So in the factory, do you think they'll have hardwired? I mean, they could. I, okay. They, they, it, it depends. It depends upon the kind of uh, cell they're at. Now, if it's being very mobile and walking all over the place, it's kind of hard to do that. But right. it's quite possible that if it's kind of working at a station and it doesn't need to use its legs very much, I mean, it may use its legs a little bit because when you're working in any sort of station, it might just have to shimmy over here and shimmy over there a little bit and lean in and, and do all that. They could definitely plug it in. And, you know, it's like, it, you know, same with your Tesla right now. You can, you know, you can't drive the Tesla, but you can run everything else in there when you're at the supercharger. So it would be the same thing that I'm sure they, they could set it up if, if they needed to do it. But if it needs to be, you know, fully mobile, you probably won't do in that situation. And and that's, I think they're trying to avoid that as much as they can. But yeah, I think it, it will probably charge, you know, fine on, on one. And of course, in factories, you got 220, every, you got 380 everywhere. I mean, it's like, so there's no problem having whatever voltage you need if you really want to charge it up quick. And I'm sure they can charge this thing up really fast. It's not that big a battery pack. Right. So like, yeah. I think it's like two two 2.3 uh, kilowatt hours. Okay. Uh, that's That's it. So then what are you thinking? And this is just me in terms of um, like energy use. Is this thing using like 200, you know, watts an hour or what, what you know? Um, okay. So what they, they are looking at is that in idle mode, it will be about 100 watts or less. Okay. And that when it's really working hard, it'll probably be running around 500 watts. Oh, that's not very much. So yeah. So from that, they're expecting to get eight hours of life out of it. You know, it was even mentioned in Isaacson's book that, you know, potentially 16 hours, but I, I think they probably looked at it and said, you know, eight hours will be fine. So um, again, you know, you have eight hour shifts in factories anyway. And if you just have to recharge these guys, they'll be charged up in less than 20 minutes anyways. And again, you can yeah. do the cyclic charging as you're going along and not have right. to worry about that. Or just have two um, or three of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You have, so they're not going to have one in there. And again, the whole idea is how this affects Tesla's bottom line. There's a lot of what I call low-hanging fruit out there. Very easy jobs that um, are considered, you know, boring, tedious, and, da and potentially dangerous. And again, going back to, to Isaacson's book, um, uh, Franz von Holzhausen, you know, mentions in there that we want to show simulations of it doing jobs that nobody wants to do. So they have the problem at Tesla like everywhere else. There are jobs that they just cannot keep people staffed in because they're so boring and repetitive. They don't want to do it. So they train them up, they do it for two weeks and the people quit. <laughs> do it again, right. do it again. So it's like, um, so all, all the time um, they will um, be doing things like that to, to find positions that they want to go in. And the other, is that when you start to do a cost analysis, uh, these bots are going to save Tesla a lot of money. So my, you know, basically the way to, fr to frame it is a penny saved is a penny earned, right? That's Tesla is a lot about that. They're really into cutting costs and saving money. So for every dollar you save, that's one more dollar that goes to the bottom line, right? It just shows up as, right. as profit. So if you can cut that down, it's going to mean the margins are going to go up.
And you can easily make the case that this can save hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars a year, depending on how they deploy it. Right. So then I'll uh, put this question up because it pretty much directly relates to what you were just saying. Um, economical use cases. So first of all, of course, Tesla using these in the factory to replace jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's go yep. with that people don't want to do. Of course, eventually right. it would be all jobs. But yeah. Um, so what other things kind of like more outside the box have you thought of maybe that other people haven't? You know, kind of thought. Okay, of. what what again? I, I've really been concentrated on what the immediate use cases are. Okay, cool. Because you know, as you know, it could definitely be used. You know, um, for other things that you know could be outside. You know, mining and stuff like that. You know, I can imagine it you know, potentially doing landscaping and everything else. I'm not sure if it's going to be doing solar installations right away, but you know, eventually you'll get there. Um, in order to have a good bot, there's a, a couple things you have to do. One it has to be able to walk and walk well, you know, be very stable, very good at that. And we know it can be done because first we are able to do it. We can see Boston Dynamics is doing it. Uh, we can also see Agility Robotics is doing it very well. And, and there are other examples of, of walking robots that are there. So it's, it's a difficult problem, but it's a solved problem. So that's one thing. So you need mobility. And a lot of people say, well, why not wheels? And my, my dad joke of an answer is, um, because a legged robot has a smaller footprint. And literally it does, because if you have a wheeled bot, it's gonna be like a Segway. And, and Segways have a hard time getting everywhere you wanna go. So there, sure. there are some, some, some difficulty to that. They're, they're much wider form factor and everything else. Your aisleways have to be wider. So that's one reason. So you just wanna have good stability there. The other thing you need to have is a good hand. And, you know, a hand has to have a certain amount of dexterity to be able to do things, which means you need a certain amount of sensing and a certain amount of motion that's going to be in there in control of it. And the hands are adequate. They're not great. So what the hands can do is they can close the fingers down like this. What they can't do is this. So Optimus is not going to be playing the piano. Okay. It's basically going to be doing that. And it comes down and it has absolutely no tactile sensing whatsoever. The only mm -hmm. sensing it has is basically its eyes to kind of look if what it's trying to grab is kind of being clenched. And so that means good AI is going to have to do that. And the other is that from the torque feedback, it'll be able to sense that, oh, I'm kind of locked in position. I can't move anymore because, it, you know, like your own muscles, when they kind of tense up, tells you, oh, I've struck something. And, and that's where machine learning comes in to be able to get that kind of idea. But it's not going to have that kind of sensitivity, like I say, to be able to fold the laundry. Though I've seen some applications of, of hands that look really dumb that are able to do it if you've got enough in there. So I, I may be proven okay. wrong on how sophisticated, but you, you get sure. that. And then the main thing is the brain. So you got to have mobility, hands, and brain. And all those are going to evolve as you go along. And once you get that, then you could see it doing tasks you cannot imagine. But I know Tesla is focused on just stuff inside the factory. And the reason why I know that is it keeps saying it again and again and again. Uh, and I, I can show an example of what I think the um this one of the first applications is going to be yeah i would love that you want to bring yeah. bring something and up? so i think if i i'll go ahead and i'll, I'll share and again yeah, this go kind of goes back to some of the things you know what i do in my day job uh and if i go ahead and find the right window that i have out here and i think okay is this the right window uh -huh. let's see where to go i think i just no worry i think it'll be it. It'll be, I think it'll be hidden when you first share it. Um, yeah. While you look for that, I was just going to say, you know, your your answers, yeah, go ahead and, you know, take your time, look for that. Your answers are much more um, practical and uh, like have good reasoning for the short term and like right now mm -hmm. why decisions are being yep. made. 
But yes. a lot of these things, you can just kind of go back to what Elon always says, especially, you know, for me, it's, I'm more familiar with all the self-driving and, and that aspect. But what he says, it's like, the world's designed around this stuff. So why would we have wheels? Yep. It's yep. not designed with yep. wheels. It's designed for feet. So we're going to have feet. It's designed yep. for a hand. So we're going to have a hand. Yep. Like it's And, and a five-finger hand, not a six-finger hand, not a three-finger right. hand, a five-finger hand. Well, yeah, and that's something, I mean, there's so, oh, man, there's so many millions of things we could talk about. But, you know, that's another question. Like, does it really need five fingers? Like, come on. Like, if I didn't have a pinky, I don't think I would really notice. It's, you know what it, I'm saying? It's, it, well, it's interesting. They they went in and they, they wanted to do four fingers and they realized they needed five. You can ask Franz. <laughs> Yeah. They went through the whole analysis That's on there. Now, what they crazy. did is they made all the fingers the same length. Okay. Now, this is a simulation I did about um, um, one second, uh, six to eight weeks go. before. Are you seeing this? Yes. Yep. Everybody should be okay. able to see it. Wow. This is cool. Yeah. So, so you, this you is, made this, this. Yes. So this was done six to eight weeks before AI Day 2, where they um, announced um, when I actually showed it. And it was wondering what the applications are. I said, this is the low-hanging fruit in the factory. So what you have is you've got your traditional robot cells over here that are constantly being fed by people. And I basically took an existing simulation we had that had a human there and just swapped it out with Optimus. Got it. Of course, I didn't know what Optimus was actually going to look like at the point. So it was just like, oh, it's just like take a human model and, right. and put on white clothes and everything yeah, else. I see. You're, so, you got your point across. And, it looks And good. so basically, you have these bins over here of parts, and the parts have to be picked up in a certain order, and then they get kind of dropped off, and then... Um, and, and put into these different fixtures. And then you hit these different buttons to say when it's okay because of safety fencing concerns and everything else. That's what you do. Now, um, then a few months later, and I'm gonna try to find the, okay, right here. Uh, you might remember this. This was, I think called Tesla Speed. This is a Shanghai, a video out in Shanghai. And this is showing um, one station in Shanghai. And you notice this is a traditional robot cell that's being loaded. And an operator comes over, picks up a part from each of these two bins, drops it off here, and is now responsible also for the next one. So there's another two bins over here mm -hmm. where he has to pick up another two parts. See, he just pushed the button to tell the robot it's there. He it's comes okay, in here yeah. and like, oops, he jumped in too quickly. The robot wasn't finished getting the last part. So he had to basically reset the system because he broke the, the light curtain. And now he goes okay. in, brings in a slightly bigger part in another one. Now... Does that look hard? No, I see what it you're saying. It doesn't look hard. Does that or, look tedious? Tedious, yeah, and you don't need a lot of dexterity for, okay. You don't I need see. a lot of dexterity for it. Now, then Elon made a statement. It was like a really long statement, but basically this. So right at AI Day 2, he was asked a question what he's going to do. He says, we're going to start with Optimus, with very simple uh, task in the factory, loading a part onto one of our more conventional robot cells that welds the body together. And now I always referred to this thing here as feeding the kookas at the robot zoo, because you see, you basically have your robots in cages to make sure there's no interaction between the robots and the humans. And it's very difficult, you know, to, to get the stuff in there. It's almost like the little slot that you slide the meat into the lions kind of thing. It's, yeah, right. It's set up that way. So it's like, oh, that's a very clear kind of application. The, these are the ones they're trying to do. And these are the ones they have a lot of in the factory. Now, so then you're thinking the old, if you were yeah. to take, so, sorry, do you mind? No, no, I actually, okay. I cut it down. It was perfect. Okay. <laughs> it if, read if, my mind. If you were to, yeah. so you're saying if you were to take, put Optimus in that position, not yep. only is it safer because you know, you don't have a human interacting with this gigantic robot that could chop yep. their hands off or knock them over. Mm -hmm. It could be faster. Like Optimus, we don't, I mean, we it, don't want Optimus. Well, look at that. Those. Maybe, maybe not. Okay? okay. Now that, all you have to do is get it within the cycle time, which is 45 seconds. Now, did that look very hard to do? 
I mean, you see the yeah, operator yeah. wasn't really sweating to do that. I mean, in fact, he was too fast. He got in there before the other robot was ready. So it looks like he can do it. And look, the operator is responsible for two stations on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe Optimus is a little bit slow at first. Can only do one of those. So we put two, two Optimi in there yeah. until they get quick enough. Yeah, And, and one then they're less, able to do it. One less right. person you're paying. And even, even at that point, wow. you probably are making up for the payroll right there. So, so even though Optimus is yeah. only equal to half a human, it will go ahead and work. But then at some point, Optimus is going to catch up and it's one to one. Now, when they design these cells, they are trying to think how to max out the human operator. The, to, and max out means around 85% utilization. So they don't want them to be exhausted. So they had to be able to do it at a certain pace. So they're set up with that in mind. But let's say you start designing a new factory, I don't know, Mexico or someplace like that. And you're <laughs> looking at that and you're thinking, well, what if these operators can actually, you know, go 120% faster than your normal human? And now maybe you can make the Optimus responsible for three, which means you have to change that layout because it wasn't like a third one right nearby that he could jump to. It was like the assumptions are they can only do two, that's it. So now you can start to change it. And now Optimus is, is no longer one-to-one, -one. Optimus is 1.5. The other thing you want to think about, if you're running three shifts and Optimus is replacing one operator. Optimus has just replaced three workers, three headcounts right there, one Optimus. If Optimus starts getting faster, then Optimus is now replacing maybe four or five or six or more. So your headcount just starts to go down and the headcount has like lots of overhead. And we haven't even talked about the cost of producing Optimus. E Elon has said probably under $20,000. And I completely agree with them. I've, I've gone through the spreadsheets and done everything. And wow. I think they could actually do it for less than that. But wow. you could say $20,000. $20,000 is nothing. I mean, that's not even minimum wage for a year. Oh, so, I, yeah, that is nothing. I mean, that's it's incredible. Nothing. And then remember all the overhead that you have on top of the minimum wage. So a person who is working a minimum wage, yeah. which is now $15, mm -hmm. you know, that, that assumption they're, they're taking home like 31,000, you know, allegedly they still have to pay taxes. So right. as far as they're concerned, they, they don't really see that amount, but to you, the employer, they cost you more than that because you have to pay FICA and all these other taxes. Right. So you're looking at them and go, this, this guy's costing me 45 grand a year. He's looking at it like, oh, this guy's only paying me 25 grand a year, <laughs> you know? And, and that's why you have this discrepancy between, you know, the workers and, and employers because they don't see that. And so, but the employer, he has to look at it. That's how much that guy costs me. And when of you course. can easily come in and with Optimus, just say, that's easy. It's almost one-to-one -one right away. And then if Optimus is able to do work around the clock, well, okay, let's take that 45,000 and multiply that by three. That's how much that one option at a minimum wage. And, and Tesla's not paying minimum wage. Right. I think their minimum wage is more like $25 an hour. So immediately you can see, wow, that saves a lot of money. And there are a lot of jobs like that. And the problem is those are the jobs no one wants. So you get the training overhead on top of it. Ah, oh, it's like, these guys quit. We got to bring someone else in. So we've got the HR that's going to deal with all this stuff. We've got to onboard them. We've got to train them and stuff like that. And a month later, they're gone again. We got So you have all those additional costs that you don't really realize when this is going on. So it's going to start there because Tesla has said that's exactly the low hanging fruit is right. what I call yep. that all the that's time. That's what we're talking I, about right now. Yes, yes, yes. So that's that's one of the first low-hanging fruit applications. And if you think the Tesla bot's not going to do it, I, I've got another uh, picture to bring up that might remind everyone of 
the video from AI Day One. And uh, I'll try to share that once more if we sure. go ahead and give it a try. Yep. Did I or did I kill up? Oh, let's see. Yeah, you I, took it off. If you want, if I, you want this I, time, just I, tell I, me to I hide it. I killed it accidentally. That's okay. Uh, let me go ahead and no big deal. find where it is. Okay. We're let's chilling. See. Let's get this now. Then, uh, and are you are you able to see it, or do I need to screen share? Again? Um, you need to screen share again. It'll come up yep. hidden first, and then I'll have to share it. Yep. There we go. Here, and then we're going to go ahead and present, and then I'm going to share that screen once yeah. again. Yeah, that's and then good, we come on around point. here and somewhere in here, we go to the window and this one right here. Yeah. See the people, I, I just want to, before I share this, the, the comments have, have good, you know, just like what you were saying, there's all these, this one, what about add-on savings? Like not having to put cages around larger robots or running the exactly, factory lights out. Exactly. This one, exactly. fewer bathrooms, fewer lunchrooms. I mean, you won't need lunch rooms, less I parking mean, spaces, bake, break, break rooms, on and on. It's uh, crazy. team it's building crazy. exercises. <laughs> I mean, you can go on and on. Christmas it's, it's bonuses. <laughs> okay. Christmas. We're, we're screwed now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, do you remember this? This image uh, here? Yeah. 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 That was, this was crazy. Yep. This is just the image. Okay. That is Bumblebee. That's the original one. Okay. And was picking up a simple part from there and moving on over. I, you know what? When this was shown, I did not, this caught me off guard. I was like, whoa, they're already showing us it doing anything, right? Yeah. I, I now, it's a very simple pick and place kind of operation of just moving from one machine to another. Now, everyone thought this was something that they just kind of, you know, put together or, you know, just come kind of a cute demo. It's not real. But look at the background there. That's a factory setting. That's not a lab setting. That's actually down in the factory. And right. if you go to AI Day One, I could not believe I missed it. But I, I listened it. I listened to it again for the first time last week. And right after this, when they cut away, Lizzie actually says, and this is actually at one of our stations in Fremont. A lot of people right. thought I was crazy saying it was in there, but she actually said it in the video. Go back to the video and you will hear her say it. This is actually this is one of our actual stations in Fremont that it's working at. Already proving that it can do this. And this is the demonstration model. Or, or sorry, not the, the development platform, what they call the development platform. Uh, so, yeah. Um, that's an example of many, many low hanging fruit. The, the fruit gets so low hanging. I joke, I refer to it as strawberry fields because those, <laughs> those, those strawberries are so, you can't go any lower hanging yeah. than strawberries are actually on the ground that's or funny. other times I'll say, you know, the, the, the fruit is so low hanging, it's on the ground already rotting. And there's many yeah. other examples. And I put together several other simulations showing exactly that, uh, when I had a, a walk through, uh, through Giga, Texas. Uh, looking at what was going on there, I go, oh, Optimus could go right there, could go over there. You know, they, they have this, yeah. this very simple station for loading tires onto a conveyor. These tires are just on the floor, and some guys just got to go over with uh, a lift assist and pick the tire up and then walk over and drop it on the conveyor. That's it, back and forth, back and forth. Like, humanoid robot could do that as well. So wow. there, there's plenty of applications like that it can go. Around. And of course, we already saw that Optimus can actually pick up a socket, uh, you know, um, a socket wrench and, and, and drive everything in that. So it's able to pick up human tools. So there are a lot of other operations like that we can imagine we'll be able to go in and be able to do. Yeah. Def I mean, yeah, you're kind of blowing my mind in a whole nother way because of course for someone like me more, you know, of like a, a layman looking at this stuff, it's like, uh, oh man, I can't wait for it to, you know, like you said, do the laundry, fold the clothes, but it seems far mm -hmm. off and you, you agree. You're like, well, that's not going to do that. At least initially. Yeah, it's it's kind of like FSD, but the, the difference yeah. with this is that, you know, one way that Tesla could have developed FSD is like everyone else is like, no, we just work and work in this thing. And we have this test track 
and we just keep testing in this test track for years and years and it's like totally awesome uh, but we just have to get it down on the test track before we put it out in the wild and then you know you you put it out in the wild and, and you realize oh there's all these other things it has to learn in a sense what they're doing is by keeping it within the factory they don't have to worry about all those edge cases right away they're just looking at the factory edge cases and they're making money right away because of the cost savings a lot yeah, of the so other companies don't have that luxury they have to make sure that thing is ready for prime time right away and if no one wants to buy they're in trouble yeah that's a good point um so that kind of relates to what Brian is saying, and I kind of hear it. So I really, uh, Brian mm -hmm. is saying, so I really don't see the Optimus being sold to people. I see it working like the Tesla auto taxi. There is no reason to sell these when the value is worth a lot more to rent them out. Yeah. Yes. And that, and very, very good that he, he's brought that on as I, I've been on, you know, several other channels. And I think the first time it was brought up, it was kind of put on the spot by Randy Kirk and uh, John Gibbs and I were there and he sort of asked us, uh, you know, how much are they, they going to sell the, the Tesla bot for? And I was thinking about it, you know, I know Elon had said like 20,000 or, or less than a car, you'd be able to afford it, stuff like that. But it's, it's like, it was clear to me that the value of the bot is way more than that. And it would be fiduciary malpractice to sell the bot, especially at the prices that they'd be able to do it. And I said, oh, they're not going to sell it. It's, it's pretty clear they're going to lease it. And then immediately Randy and John were like, yeah. And ever since then, when I've talked to anyone in the Tesla community about it, they're all like, yeah, it's lease, 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 and no one wants to talk about selling because they don't believe it. And the only time, the only person I've got is Yaman, who wants to say they're selling it only because he realized everyone was like on one side, and he's like, "Wait a minute, we've got to have the counter voice." So, so he's basically trying to be the play the devil's advocate on that thing, and it's really hard to do it. Now, I know some people think they will, and eventually they will sell it, but first, internal only. Then, well, when know, it's worse good enough, mm -hmm. sub suppliers. They will lease it to start leasing it to sure. their sub suppliers and then they will start leasing it outside and then at some point maybe they start selling it when let's say the competition everyone else is doing it but if you were to sell this how much do you think it would be worth well yeah i mean when you compare it to wages it goes up and up and up i, I can't even answer it 30 you know, 40 50 60 i mean i mean for if you were as a lease probably easily fifty thousand a year well, yeah, you, you, you could easily justify fifty thousand dollars. You replace two people with it with the one yeah. robot, then yeah. it's easily it, easily fifty. You save money paying uh, fifty thousand a year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then, and, and as far as selling, um, if you were to sell it, you would probably be north of a hundred thousand if you were going to go that route. Now, so, there's so, another reason they don't want ahead. to sell it, and that is control. Is that so? That's that's what I was going to say. Is 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 if you say sell it, so let's say I I could buy it. You know, for a re residential, it might be a little different, but even to a bit, you want to sell it. In today's world, what does that even mean? Because it's not like you buy it and then you're totally disconnected from Tesla. Like in my house, I bought, I have two power walls. Yeah, I bought the power walls, but they're still connected to Tesla. It's not like mm -hmm. I can use them without Tesla. You know what I mean? So if they even sell this bot, you're still going to be paying uh, a, a monthly, you know, PM. You know, you're going to need maintenance on it. You're going to be paying for maybe software updates or mm -hmm. something to do with software. Um, so what does sell even mean? Like, sure, yeah, you have it, this lifeless husk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if, if they sell it, it might be that th then people could start using it for applications that Tesla would not want them to use it in. Um, you know, Boston Dynamics had their terms and conditions regarding the spot bot that it wasn't to be used for like any sort of military aggression. And then sure enough, you know, some guys started mounting guns on the back of it and using it for a target practice and everything else. 
And, and that just, they were like, no, we don't want that. And so it'd be the same thing, but you know, it depends upon how well the connection is. It's true. It's like you own your Tesla, but at the same time, Tesla could decide to disable it at any second if they really wanted to. So potentially they could do the same thing if you sell it. So if they have that control and it may be that there are a lot of drones out there that you can buy um, at some point, if you don't connect to the, the internet every now and then they just shut down. So there are ways that these things will have like a limited lifetime potentially. So you could sell it that way. And probably that will be required because the FAA and others, I think they were really strict about what could happen with drones and concerns about it, which is probably why it'll be very, it's very easy to go in and shut down a drone very easily. uh, If it starts violating, uh, you know, FAA rules all the time. Right. And I mean, even for, you know, I have a little DJI drone and I, Took it over my a couple of years ago. I took it over my mom's house because I was, hey, check this out. This little drone, it's very cool. Like well, I was going to show her. I couldn't even take off because we were too close to an airport. I didn't even know there was an airport anywhere. Yeah, nearby. so it's geofenced. Yep, exactly right. And and the thing, you know, it's a good thing, obviously. But I bought the drone; it's mine. But I yeah. it physically would not function because I was, you know, the software said I can't do it. So things are only going to go more in that direction. Especially for and, like and that. the other thing is that what you may not know is after a lot of your flights, uh, a lot of that video footage is uploaded to a server somewhere. Oh and a yeah, friend yeah. is very paranoid. You know, he's got one of them. He's really upset that yeah. you know he he's figured out like this incredible hack because he just knows how to put everything around there to kind of spoof the whole thing to think it's been connected to the internet. But he knows he's looking at. It and he says, "Yep, you know, every time I take it and, and zoom around here, the video feed from that in the end, some something about it gets sent to a server in Beijing." And he's like, not having anything to do with it. It's, it's pure spyware. So right. again, there's going to be that fine balance between the privacy concerns you would have when you buy one of these things and also the ability to make sure you can shut these things down. Now, what was your favorite picture? You want to show everyone your favorite picture of uh, Optimus oh, that yes, you, you yes, took sure. at the mall? This one? Nope. Which which one are we Maybe it was your, that Oh, one right, right, right. Yes, yes, right. There's, <laughs> there's your favorite picture. And why is yeah. it your favorite? Because you just... You're dead. <laughs> That's the e-stop button right there, right, right, right. behind the neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, write that down. Everyone, yeah. make sure you know where that is. That's all, all you have to do. So that that will be the way to disable it. Um, of course, hopefully you don't have to to get to that stage right. uh, of doing that. But uh, yeah, they're all going to have to come with something in some other way of being geofenced and everything else. There's, there's all sorts of privacy worries that For are sure. all legit uh, of how it could be used and abused. But it can also help a lot. So. I know when you tweet it out, it's like the end of work. And I like to caution, I don't think it's the end of work. I think it's the end of toil because a lot of people enjoy work. Mm-hmm. They just don't like toil. I mean, they, right. they like challenges. They, you know, sometimes you just like the, the fact that it just feels good that you did something. But the idea of doing something monotonous, eight hours a day, five days a week, right. three weeks a year, you know, and here's a decade, um, you know. I got this, I got to put no. this up just because we're yeah. looking at the button. I got to put that up. That's funny. No, um, I don't think so. No, I mean it's it's not designed to have like first you're able to run away from it. it you know, top speed is like four or five miles per hour. Um, right. The second, um, it, it its batteries will run out. You know. <laughs> It's like the worst case. Just just keep on running and running and running. Yeah. Just just you remember how our, our, our ancestors used to hunt their prey? It wasn't that they were faster, right. they were yeah. just better runners. They they ran them exactly. to exhaustion. 
So that's all you do thing. is just run, and then finally it's just going to keel over, and that's going to be it. Um, yeah. No, but I, I was having this discussion with John Gibbs the other day, looking at like all the different applications you're going to have of Optimus and this idea there's going to be this app store that you know Optimus can be a chef or you know learn to play the guitar, which won't be able to because it doesn't have the finger dexterity. But you can imagine all these different applications of, of what it would be able to do. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is like, oh, you know, uh, a, a really horrible kind of place is like is um, is basically a meatpacking plant. Mm -hmm you know, going in there. Right. So you, you could have them in there because first, you know, it's, it's really cold, <laughs> it's like, you know, and, yeah. and it's just like the dangerous of the cleavers and stuff like that. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, mm. I'm, I'm not sure I want that in the AI training set <laughs> of working in a butcher oh. shop. So it's going to be like one <laughs> yeah. of these things that it's like, it's a special app that you kind of put in it's a good to make movie. sure that you just kind of wipe them out because they just think, oh, this is like normal behavior, right? Right. Um, yeah, well, yeah no. Well, then that that's like a Westworld. Did you watch Westworld? Oh yeah. I mean, that, that's all the dystopian it, stuff. But you think you yeah, liked it, but exactly. So, right. I mean, there, there's a lot of concern, understandably, of, of people because of the way uh, robots have been presented you know, in literature uh, and over the years. So, we have to assuage those by by thinking about what it's going to do. Right now, the uh, the robots are limited, but they will be useful but they are going to get better and better. And of course, if you look at this and compare it to the AI day one robot, which was like this really nice sleek looking robot that was just amazing. Right. Yeah, um, it's far from it. it. You know, the mechanics are going to have to improve quite a lot to be able to get that kind of figure that you want to see, because you can see this is very exposed. Um, there's a lot of places that you can get your fingers caught in there. So they're going to need all sorts of coverings. We don't know what the wire is going to be like going around. Um, it's going to be a bit challenging. But that bot is cool to see in person because you yeah. really understand the mechanisms. Now, now, were there any mechanisms in there that uh, you didn't quite understand how they worked? Because you're a biologist, so you have a slight idea of how the human body works, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a molecular biologist, so anything bigger than a cell, I get a little confused. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Um, I know how the proteins, you know, come together and, and function. Mm -hmm. But um, all right, how, how about this? We got about ten minutes left. Um, neither of us are opposed to going over a few minutes. How about I put up some of these questions and we try to do sure. more of like a rapid fire answering. I always usually do yep. this. I, I get really rapid fire for me. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I do the same thing. I just, you know, people ask a question. You really want to give them, give them your yep. all. Um, so let's try to go through some of these. Um, I mean, we'll do our best. Uh, so let's see. Sorry. I had, Okay. I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, how important is it that Tesla bot 1.0 will be able to speak verbally? Do you think that matters at all? Um, and then this uh, is also a related question. Yeah, it, it, it's, well, well definitely uh, listening. So the idea is to be able to tell Optimus what to do without having to have like some sort of pad where you're typing in something like that. Um, so it definitely needs to hear. And I think it'll be important to give some sort of commands. Now they talked about the idea that there'll be like a display on the face that might show what's going on. So Optimus may be signaling or doing something like that, which is going to be important in the factory to have like green lights and red lights to kind of know what the, what the state is. Um, but at the same time, in Isaac's book, everyone was like talking about the thing and obsessing at what the head was supposed to be like. And Elon was like, don't think about it. We don't need it right now. Let's just get something that can walk and do everything else. That's, that's a later version. So okay. I agree we need the feedback because it, FSD gives us a little bit of feedback. Sometimes I wish it would be verbal because my eyes are on the road because I don't want to get a strike. 
I, I totally agree so, with you. I so I, I don't see the creep line because I'm looking around. It's like, is this thing going into traffic? You and don't if know it if it's going say, or creeping. You don't know. Creeping, no creeping. Yeah. Don't worry, <laughs> exactly. creeping. Yeah. Don't, I see the car coming from the left, creeping. You know, I wish it, it would do that. 100%. And then I would feel a lot better. But, you know, the times I'm looking down at the display and, and all this other stuff, then suddenly it's like, strike, you know, yeah. looking at the road. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what you're doing wrong. Um, so kind of related to that, can it drive a car? No. If yes. Okay. No, no, no. no I, mean, I, I don't think you would want to. There's a couple of reasons it can't. Okay? okay. So I don't want to be flippant about it. First, you know how Tesla or everyone keeps on saying that the way to get people to want to buy a Tesla is butts and seats. Mm -hmm. right. That is one butt you do not want in your seat. I mean, look <laughs> at the back of it. Okay. It's just going to tear it up. So forget about that. The other thing is, I don't know if you've okay. noticed, but Optimus's head cannot move. Oh. There's no movement in the neck. Okay. Good, good point. So that okay. means uh, Optimus is going to really suck at soccer. It cannot okay. do the header at all. It won't have any mobility or movement there. Okay. Its torso is also very limited in the flexibility. So it has very little. So just imagine like you, you have a really sore neck and a really sore back. Try getting into your car. Sure. It's okay. harder than getting into a mercury capsule. So, so that's the reason okay. it won't. Plus FSD already does a better job. Now, whether Optimus is a ride along to kind of help, maybe. So he'll be in the back of the Cybertruck, but he's not going to be in a passenger seat. Got it. Um, what sort of surface is on the soles of the feet? Or the yeah, they, they have some non-slip uh, soles that on there we've been able to see. So they, they put something oh, on okay. there just to make sure it gets a reasonable grip. Now that's not, I mean, that, this is kind of an artifact. If you look at like the, the ones that they actually had in some of the the videos, you can see a little bit. There's like some sort of, and it's probably something that's easy to re, to replace because I'm sure it's going to wear out very quickly. And, right, and the yeah. feet, I think they need a lot more design in the feet. Uh, I see all the others are also making basically almost like planks for feet. And you're wondering like, well, wait a minute, why don't they have a toe box and another actuator down there mm -hmm. to allow it to kind of get up on its tippy toes and everything else. And I, you know, I, I could see having something kind of spring loaded in a way to be able to pick up a little bit of energy and give it back without actually having to have something that is actuated. Um, but yeah, that's what they're going with right now. I, I would see, I'd like to see something with a bit more shape. I understand why the feet are so flat. And, um, and that's just because they're coming down, plopping and going back up and they don't even roll up on the toe right now. Because if you roll up from the toe, you're going from having a complete contact surface to instantaneously having contact on an edge. Got it. And you don't like that because that means you will slip really quickly. Mm -hmm. okay. So, um, yeah, they, they need to have a slightly different form factor of foot, but because of the way the control system is, they haven't been able to do that. And all the other guys seem to be doing the same thing. They haven't figured out the good feet yet. And, and I'm not sure why, maybe it's just because it's a hard problem. Yeah. Um, how much value is the form factor humanoid versus the intelligence? If the intelligence time to program is minimal, would there be lots of form factors for smart robots? I mean, you're oh, kind of yes. like yeah. saying we're at humanoid or are we still going to see different robots going forward? Even once Optimus okay. is doing tasks. Yes, yes, yes. Optimus is not going to replace the robots on the factory floor. No way. Those robots will still be there. So um, there are general purpose robots, and then there are robots that are specific to certain applications, and they are much faster and much better. So Optimus is not going to replace the spot welding robots and do it the old fashioned way like we saw 40, 50 years ago. Um, so it's just going to be doing humanoid types of tasks. The form factors do not matter. So there are going to be a lot of applications we want like this, but there are going to be other applications where it might be a slightly different form factor will be good. So there'll be taller ones and shorter ones, and maybe you'll have ones that'll be like ET with a neck that kind of goes up, who knows? whether we're going to have a three-armed, 
whether it's six fingers, something like that, who, who knows? However, the intelligence that they're putting in Optimus, I hope to one day see that same intelligence go into those KUKA and FANUC robots, those traditional robots, because time to program, if the intelligence, time to, that is the problem with industrial robots today. They are very capable, but the time to program takes too long. That's something I've been trying to solve for 40 years. Wow. So we have these tools that make it faster and faster. And if you, you go to my, you know, at uh, Going Ballistic uh, 5, which is my Twitter handle, uh, sorry, my X handle. Today, I tweeted something out of what my company, Visual Components, does. It's go. like a, a minute 30 showing that and how we are programming the traditional robots today. So if anyone wants to take a look at that, they can kind of get an idea. So absolutely, that was a great question. Intelligence, it's going to also be able to go into many of the other things that we find difficult to control today okay. or program. Um, would, would other companies have privacy concerns, which you kind of touched on more for individuals, um, since Tesla can see all the factories' products at the mothership? Yeah, potentially. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I suppose they would, but eventually probably not because everyone knows what's going on. Everyone knows those factories anyway, so there's not that much that is really proprietary. And okay. it may be that um, it won't be that much because it's not necessarily that things are going back to the mothership. Like your entire drive is not going back to Tesla. Parts of it that are interesting, like, sure. you know, if, if you and, and and again, you could set these things up to say, like, nothing's going back. You just send us, you know, your fully trained, fully formed office is going to go in there. We're going to tell it to do this, this, and that, and it's just going to do it. And then that's how it goes. So, and you, you can always turn your factory into a Faraday cage anyways. It practically is. <laughs> Cell sure. service in those places sucks. <laughs> um, this is a nice one you, you, you've touched on a few times throughout the night. Uh, what other companies are best positioned to compete with Optimus? Okay. So um, right now, I think... I mean, there, there are a lot of other companies that have announced, and some of them I think are a little bit behind the game because they're nothing more than PowerPoint slides. Uh, a couple others have been around for several years and actually working on like their sixth or seventh um, version. Um, Sanctuary uh, AI out of uh, Canada uh, is one to keep an eye on. Uh, Agility for sure. They're out of Portland. You know, they just announced the, the factory, uh, what they're going to do. But it's a little bit different because, again, Agility does not have the hands. It has a palm, but it doesn't have fingers yet. But right. a lot of other things about it is it's very much you know, fits in what they call the cobotic standard. So it's not going to hurt anyone because there's really nothing to get your finger caught in and very few sharp edges. So um, right. that's one I'm looking at. You know, Boston Dynamics maybe eventually will figure out what to do with Atlas, but they seem to be focusing on more non-humanoid robots, ironically, right now. Um, and then there's there's a, a bunch coming over from China. There's, there's Fourier Systems is one, uh, Unitree. Um, I think Xiaomi, there, there's a, a bunch of them that are dabbling in that sphere and they have like, they're not uh, old, they're not new companies. They're like established companies that are like coming up with a division. So I think Fourier was doing something in, in medical and coming up with things for helping people with the rehabilitations and, you know, putting the, these kinds of things on people's legs that look very much like a robotic leg that make it easier for them to recuperate and all this. So that hmm. they already had people that were developing these kind of things to help. And it's like, you know, we, we've got enough knowledge here. We could probably put together a robot and, you know, and if Nokia, which was known for like tires, rubber boots and toilet paper could suddenly be like the world's number one provider of cell phones, you know? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You decide to put your mind to something you can go ahead and do it. And, you know, and that's a true sure. story. I mean, it's like, if you look at the history of Nokia, like they did what <laughs> before? 
I did not know that. Yes. Wow. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Hmm. All right. And then this kind of touches on some of what you just said. Do you see industrial safety standards working with AI yes. programming tech? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, where you go to work every day down in Ann Arbor, there's an organization called the RIA, the Robots uh, Industry Association. And they sure. set up a lot of standards for robots and robot programming and safety protocols and everything else. And if you want to have a robot that's called Cobotic, a collaborative robot, and collaborative robot means a robot that works with humans. Robot's a collaborator, uh, collaborating with robots, with those humans. <laughs> um, they, they have special safety standards to make sure they don't hurt or injured. And that means you don't need the safety fencing if you get Cobotic uh, certification. And that means limited speeds, limited torques, and then no sharp edges, no, sure. um, no places that the fingers can get caught in joints or anything like that. So um, there will be more standards, definitely, definitely that they'll become. And, and I imagine that will be one of the organizations that will be leading that charge. And again, if you look at the, uh, the uh, yeah, agility robotics and that, and I'm just looking at it, it just screams Cobot all the way. As I'm looking at all things like, yep, yep, yep. They, they followed the, the protocols yeah. right down to a T on, on what it should look like. That's great. Yep. All right, we're gonna, we have one more question here, which I think is a pretty interesting one. And again, something you kind of touched on before I put it up, I just wanna remind everybody, uh, the audio from this will be available on your favorite podcasting platform. If you wanna listen in your car, if you didn't catch the whole thing, whatever you wanna do. Or um, you have okay. a hard time falling asleep. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is, this is exciting stuff. I think this is great. All right, last one. Uh, so the computer vision system that Tesla is developing for FSD and Optimus could be applied to current automatic robotic systems, even without Optimus itself. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Ab absolutely. I mean, so uh, again, and I'm glad everyone is picking up on this because I've, I've said this before and I've seen that before. That's exactly what I want to see. And I don't know if we have time for a, a bit of a long anecdote, but Go for it. this has been something that has been bothering me for almost 40 years. And that, um, when our company was first formed, uh, it kind of came out of a bunch of guys from Cornell University. And when we left the university, we had a meeting with a computer science professor there named John Hopcroft. And I had never taken any classes from uh, from Professor Hopcroft, but you know his his reputation was well known. I mean, it's like everyone feared his like class and compilers and stuff like that and algorithms. Uh, and uh, one of our our, our, our co-founders um, had him as as advisor and just wanted to kind of explain what was going on. We were still trying to figure out, you know, what is the whole offline programming thing? What's it all going to be about? Getting ready to, to, to head off to Detroit to begin to do this. And we had sort of an idea what it was. And he was also interested in this idea of being able to program robots using artificial intelligence. And that was in one of those artificial intelligence summers, you know, just before the winter, or maybe it was fall at that point. It was just before the next, uh, and there was like all sorts of enthusiasm, AI and robots. And he explained what he wanted to do. I mean, we were just like, oh, we're basically going to have a virtual world where you can like take your robot and know at the point that you want to go over here and just lead through teach and all the very, very kind of tedious, but another way of doing it. He was, ah, you should just be able to come in and put a bunch of parts in front of the robot and it will figure it out and put it together. I'm like what, <laughs> you know, you can do that. I mean, yeah. I was just, I was just absolutely stunned. It's like, yeah, it should just look at it, examine it, know exactly what needs to be done and get it done. And, and I thought, oh, man, why are we even bothering to do what we're doing? Like two years, Hopcroft is just going to come up with this thing. that That's how the robots. Now, he was maybe a little bit naive uh, and to think that that could be done. But still, it's something that bothered me. Every time I demoed our software, I was like embarrassed at how limited our capabilities were on being able to program the robots. 
on how slow, how difficult everything you had to go through. The robots were dumb. They, you know, everything has to be exactly where it's supposed to be. So I've kept on feeling it's like by the end of my career, I want to be able to see that you have a robot and you literally go up and just dump a bunch of parts in front of it. And it looks at it and goes, oh, this is probably what you want to do with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's what the FSD, that's what those cameras, that's what Dojo right. and all those or some other system is eventually going to get us to. And it's going to get us there before the end of my career. You know, yeah, that's that's super exciting. And, you know, that's always kind of the hard thing with computers is they're so powerful. They can do so many things, but they're dumb. They they don't know anything. And even when you look mm -hmm. at something like, you know, ChatGPT or, or any of these that as amazing as they are, they can't do anything still. And without you holding their hand, giving them a lot of guidance, getting them to, you know, um, at least some kind of input. And that's, I mean, that's AI, right? Is Is it can go kind of do it, you know, maybe you have to say, hey, I need a house. Now, hopefully that's mm -hmm. all you got to do, right? And then it'll right. call everybody or build stuff, whatever it has to do. And that's kind of the ultimate oh, goal. Man. Wow. Optimus the contractor. That would be awesome. Right. It could be the project manager. Like, hey, Optimus, I need yeah. a house. Oh, it wow. I hadn't, hadn't thought of that, but that well, would be great. Right. I mean, it can't pour, maybe pour concrete. Maybe that's too heavy. Uh, but it could call up everybody and maybe move some stuff around oh. on the job site. Maybe do a little painting here. Whatever Organize you it. Do. Oh yeah, so absolutely. I mean, I mean they, they they will come. It, it's just it'll take a while before we get there, and right. you know the learning is going to be happening in these factories, and then when it's done, you know you are going to be seeing thousands and thousands. Of, and you know the last thing to, to say about you know, Optimus is it's very easy to put together. You know the 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 servers are coming up with. I mean they're they're trying to spool up the that production ramp that they need to. So the most complex part is really the actuators. You could say the FSD chip, but you know, they're able to produce those so quickly and have such a large supply of it. It's not like that's the bottleneck. Right. But for the most part, it's not going to be difficult to assemble this. Some of the other bots you see out there look very expensive, very hard to put together. This, you don't need a big footprint and you'll be able to crank them out in the thousands easily, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands a year. So, you know, if you, there's once we get to that stage that, yeah, we need a million Optimi you'll be able to, to get them and you won't need one factory. You'll be able to set up factories all over the place. It's amazing. Okay. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you everybody for watching. Um, Scott Walter, make sure you check out his, uh, here, let me get rid of this real okay. quick. There's his. Zayfred. I like that. That's oh. a, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good joke there. Um, yep. There's uh, Scott's t uh, handle on X. If you want to follow him there and check out some yeah. more of his work. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering everybody's questions. It was a great time. And you re blew my mind <laughs> regarding yeah. Optimus in a more realistic way. Mm -hmm. Is uh, Chris? What? Who's your internet service provider? Starlink. Me too. Really? Wow, we had zero issues. We had zero issues. That's great. Yeah, as long as it's rain. If, <laughs> and and I, I've even I, I've even got a little graph if you want to see, mm -hmm. if you want just like a bonus right here, um, yeah. of something that uh, I had a little bit of stormy weather this morning. Oh yeah. And in, in Florida, I, I will like get dropouts and stuff like that. At least, let's say I used to. Uh, you can see people watching ahead. the stream. If you look right here, this is actually my yeah. Starlink connection. Right here is my upload. I'm just yeah. watching it as we go. <laughs> okay. So uh, let me see if I get this current slide. And yep. I think I got some. Can you see that on my screen? Not yet. Okay. What I probably need to do is I need to do the old share again here. Let me go ahead because yep. I need to share the right screen. And uh, let me go ahead and find where it is. And then we'll go ahead and present. So we'll go ahead and share a screen. Mm -hmm. 
and get the right window. And if we can go ahead and there it is right there. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and share that. There you and go. I think uh, we should see. Oh, we're seeing the wrong screen here. What are we <laughs> seeing here? And that's not the part to be seeing. Let me try this again. That's All one right. of my old humanoid robot models here. Yeah. So if we go ahead and get the presentation here and that share screen. Problem is I did this in PowerPoint and that always decides. How about now? What are we seeing? Uh, looks like the same one. Same one. Yeah, your humanoid robot. Still getting, still getting the wrong one there. All right. Um, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it uh, <laughs> even another way here. Sorry for this lengthening this out on everyone. It's all right. They're all sticking around. Usually when I'm like, all right, we're wrapping up. Okay, everybody, okay. So, everybody, yeah, so you lose half your people roll in two here. seconds. Everyone's like, oh, what's going on here? Let's just go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to just do it the way I used to always do it and just actually share the particular window that we're in right now. Okay. So we yeah. got that there. So we can kind of see us inside of, mm -hmm. do you see this right now? Yeah, I see us. You still see us. You should mm. not I see, see nothing now. Why are we not getting my window? I should be getting, oh, dumb me. I keep on getting, making that same mistake every single time. Confusions between this and that and everything else. Share screen. Yeah, I do want to share a screen. I want to share that whole window. No, not window, entire screen. There we go. Now I've got the right thing picked. We got right. that, right? I see us. You kind of see us inside of there? Mm -hmm. Right. And let me get PowerPoint. Oh, come on. Where'd the PowerPoint go now? Okay, move that thing over there. The windows are always on top of one another here. And that is not the one I want to whoop, 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 right there. Oh, all right. Here we go. We should see there this right go. here. Okay, finally. So huh. I actually put a weather station out. Oh, nice. I want one so bad. <laughs> okay. So this this we had this is a little bit, this is like 1.1 inches of rain, and this is like one inch of rain per hour. Okay. That was the rate. And normally when you start getting above like half an inch, you start seeing dropouts galore. Oh, okay. It was like only at like um one point in there was like is a small dropout and it was no more than 15 seconds very cool and that was it and then the rest of the time was steady as a matter of fact uh right around here i started an internal teams meeting with my colleagues yeah. right through there and there was no break in the stream that's great and that was like including this big peak here yeah yeah that's very good I, it keeps getting so, better yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it definitely right. is. So, uh, yeah, great. Uh, that'd be a little bonus. I I suspected you were in Starlink, but I wasn't sure. I am hundred percent. Yeah, me too. When if something happens, Starlink goes down. I've got no backup. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I now, used are, to. Are you using the the standard dish? Um, I have the square. Yeah, the square. Here, I'm gonna the, the, the standard. I'll, yeah, I'm I'm gonna wrap this up. <laughs> we can keep yeah, talking. We'll talk, we'll talk All right. offline. Yep. Th thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Okay. Um, check yep. it out on podcasts and comment if you want to say anything once we're done. Have a good night. Yep. Okay. Good night, everyone.